You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur. Good morning, everyone, to Radio Mayapur, the link to your heart. This is Gangadas, your host, and today is a beautiful sunshine. It's 11.20 a.m. It's a beautiful to be in Mayapur. And it's the best time of the year. It's not too hot, not too cold, and, and everything is green and wonderful. So today we are very, very fortunate. We have one of the great souls of our gigantic army of Srila Prabhupada, white elephant. His name is Hari Sauri Prabhu, who was born in England in 1950, therefore he's 72 years old. And... Uh, He became devotee in 1972 in Sydney. He's a publisher of six books on Srila Prabhupada's memory. He was also Srila Prabhupada's secretary for one and a half year, traveling around the world. So, Hari Sari Prabhu, welcome here to Radio Mayapur. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada, Ki Jai. Jai. So, Prabhuji, tell us a little bit about your background, like you're born in uh, England. And you're coming from which family? You have brother, sister, your father, mother, a little bit, so that people can relate to you. Okay. I was born in November 1950, so I've just turned uh, 72. Yes. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> my material relationships, uh, my mother is still alive. She's 100 this year. Wow. Uh, my father passed away a oh, long time ago. He was 67. I have uh, two older brothers, nice. uh, a sister, and a younger brother. Nice. Big family. Yeah. <laughs> so um, around about the age of uh, 20, I left home. And uh, at that time, the Australian government were offering free passage, more or less, mm-hmm. to qualified people uh, who wanted to come and emigrate there. Nice. So I saw that. I was very discontent at home. And um, we heard about this. It's what they call the 10 pounds passage scheme. Wow. Uh, if you were, if you met the qualific- uh, qualifications, you give the uh, Australian government ten pounds for your fare, and they cover the rest. They send you by ship or by plane. We had a choice: we could fly, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or we could go by boat. Okay. And uh, we chose boat wow. because we didn't want to be, you know, traveling for. 28 hours, I think it was, in those days, on the aeroplane. Wow. And then as soon as you get down, they gave you one free week in a hostel, and then you had to get a, a job and get yourself a place to stay, etc. So we just thought that we don't want to just suddenly be, you know, from one place and then 12,000 miles away the next day. So we, we had a month on the boat. A month in the boat was a nice 
traveling or was a cargo yeah, ship? <laughs> well, the ship itself was decommissioned about two hours, uh, sorry, two days, uh, not two days, uh, about two years. Uh, it, it was a... Um, uh, old boat. Uh, it was an old boat. Yeah, right. But uh, anyway, we were glad to get out of England. Nice. Must uh, have been a nice experience for you. <coughs> well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I was very intensely uh, trying to figure out what was going on with my life. Right. And... Um, I had not met any spiritual people. That was out of the question from the area where I was from. But um, I just wanted to get out of England. Yes, and So, but then what, what was your first encounter with the devotee? Was in Australia? Um, we, uh, well, prior to meeting the, devo the, the devotees, Uh, see, in 1971, we'd got accepted, uh, <clears throat> we had been accepted for the uh, uh, free uh, Australian person. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to get things sorted out in my head here. Sorry. Um, we got to Australia. Uh, I think in about April of 1971. Uh, I didn't know it at the time, but Prabhupada had just visited Australia for the first time uh, about a month before I got there. And um, before leaving England, uh, I had uh, an out-of-body experience. Wow. Wow. Uh, which um, is uh, something like they call uh, an epiphany. epiphany. It was a, one of those moments where something happens that's so profound it changes your whole life. So um, we'd gone to see some friends in London and uh, they'd gotten some substance that we were trying out. Right. And as a result of taking that substance, I, 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 yeah, I, I left my body. But just like two seconds, uh, mm -hmm. I could see myself, uh -huh. oh, my assumed self, my body, lying on a couch. My friends were talking with each other. They were, and I was kind of up in the air looking down. And uh, I felt like um, like I was made of pure energy. It's a, it was just, a, you know, an incredible. So in the moment that that happened, then uh, I thought, I'm out. And uh, as soon as I thought, I'm out, I was back, back in. <laughs> But it, so it was only a couple of, you know, a few seconds practically. But uh, after that, I couldn't stop thinking about 
and what had happened. Um, I realized that there was some kind of realm. I didn't know how to describe describe it, but I realized that there was some other levels of uh, awareness or consciousness. Uh, and uh, so it was profound enough that I, 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 I had to pursue it. So when we arrived in, in Australia, I was already, you know, going through uh, uh, a, lot, a, a lot of speculation and uh, trying to figure out what we really are, uh, what is death, why do we have to die. So uh, we, we got into um, Sydney, I think, on the... April, April or May of 70, 71. And um, I, I didn't particularly like Sydney. Uh, I mean, the city itself is all right, but I didn't like being in, in the big city. And uh, after we'd had our free one-week stay, we uh, headed off to the west of Australia and I worked for six months on a mining camp just to get some money together. So um, every now and again, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, so when we landed in, in, in Sydney, then uh, the first day there, we, uh, what do you call it, Depart, departed the boat, and... Um, we decided to go for a walk around, check Sydney out. And there's a bunch of us, there's some guys that we met on the boat. Nice. So there's like 10 to 12 of us all together. And um, when we got downtown Sydney, then I heard this ching, 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 ching. <laughs> and uh, I was wondering, what is that? And uh, we came to a crossroads, and there was a small group of devotees uh, doing Sankatan. And then on each street corner, there was a devotee with a stack of back to God egg. So uh, we got stopped at the lights, and um, one of the girls in the devotees, uh, she approached me, you know, by a a magazine. That that devotee is um, uh, by Barbie Darcy. She's uh, she's still on devotee. She's the wife of Chiru Prabhu from Utah. So they run that. But in those days, they just she just joined a few months before. Uh, and uh, anyway, so. Uh, so you got the bit you, you purchased it? <laughs> she approached me and uh, the, um, the magazine was something like I had ne never seen anything like it before. It was so unusual. Um, the front cover, it was a, uh, number 37. The front cover is a Rasa Leela. Uh. And uh, you know, just the colors and the Sanskrit names, and I couldn't make 
any any sense of it at all. But uh, somehow or another, I knew it was important to keep that magazine. I mean, when I looked inside it, there was like a, a line drawing of Narada Mooney. Mm. I was thinking, who's this woman? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we looked at the cover. Nobody could figure out what, what it was. And one Scottish fellow we met on the boat, he he said, well, I th- he said, I think the blue fellas, they're, they're spirits. That's <laughs> <laughs> all the rather that's right, right Krishna that was as close as we got <laughs> <laughs> but anyway I, I knew that it was almost like the, the magazine was vibrating some oh. kind of energy and I knew it was important to keep it even though I didn't understand at the time what it was about but I had the thought that I'm, I'm going to need this in the future so keep it so, yeah, we landed. We couldn't find a decent uh, situation in Sydney. It was too big of a city for, you know, a few boys from uh, 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 English iron and steel town. So we decided that we wanted to go back uh, overland to uh, Perth. When the boat came to... Went to Sydney. Well, it, we, we got down in Sydney, but the boat had stopped uh, for half a day in Perth and then another half or one day in Melbourne and then we got down in Sydney. So we thought, uh, let's go back to Perth. Yeah. It was a nicer place. Yeah, it was... Uh, Smaller place, maybe. <laughs> just like a country town. Yes. It wasn't big at all. It kind of suited us. So we um, we travelled by bus from Sydney to Perth. Took, I think, two and a half days. Uh, I swore I'd never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, after a couple of weeks in Perth, we couldn't get jobs there. We heard that there was some mining camps up in the northwest. And so we bought with our... Practically our last fifty dollars. Uh, we bought an old uh, utility vehicle and a forty-four gallon drum of petrol, which we filled up and strapped down in the back of the uh, the, uh, the the utility. I mean, it's like we were driving a, a, a literally a, a bomb, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, Anyway, so we went. We went up the north. We 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 did get jobs there, and uh, we stayed for six months, not in the mine, but on the surface. There were it was a new mining camp, so they were just building the infrastructure. And um, for me, I was a you know, in one sense, in, in ecstasy. I was. Uh, you were happy. Well, I was up there for six months. I think for the first six weeks, I didn't see a single cloud. Oh, yeah. It was just bright and sunny every single day. And, Opposite uh, to England where there is no sun. <laughs> no, yes. I, I, I couldn't handle England because of the cold and yeah. miserable aspect. 
So when we arrived in Australia and it was just like permanently sunny, I thought, this is great. I felt, you know, an affinity. So every now and again I'd take out this back to Godhead. It was a good situation for me because being on the mining camp were no distractions. We worked 12-hour shifts. And you are in the middle of nowhere, in a desert or something? Like yeah, that. yeah, up in the uh, Pilbara mountain range. Yeah. And um, it, it, was, it was very nice. But I was going through these, you Trying know, ex, exist, existential... Uh, Query. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got to a point where... I figured out that the, there's another reality than the one that I'd known growing up. And uh, I got more and more uh, disassociated. Uh, With external material situation. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I had this experience. I'd go out onto the uh, mining campsite there, and it was it was like looking at a TV rather than, you know, <laughs> some real thing. It was, it, yeah, it was disassociation. But at the same time, I didn't have an, any alternative to, uh, you know, understanding what life is. And uh, I had one or two experiences where, it was like having a, a vision uh, where I, I, it was like I was outside the universe looking in and uh, I, could, I could look in to this so-called universe uh, and I understood everything that everybody was doing was just a useless waste of time. It was like, you know, you have a glass box filled with an ant's nest and all the ants are running here and there, but where are they going? They're no trapped. Way. So I was outside the universe looking in, but I couldn't see what was behind me. I could only see the universe. See, yeah, see the front. So I, I, I needed to, uh, you know, find out what disassociation, uh, what it meant. At the same time, as this burning question about uh, what uh, death is, became a little obsessed with trying to figure that one out. And most of all, and uh, to my uh, great surprise, I started to figure uh, to think, well, what what is God? I was, you know, looking at, uh, in my speculations, I would try to figure thing, you know, things out about who we are and why we're here and all that. But when I ever, whenever the, uh, the idea of God came into it, I would immediately, you know. Push back. Yeah, because I'd been brought up pra practically as an atheist. And... Um, 
So there was a kind of rejection of understanding who is God. Yeah, I mean, I was a, I was, a, I was an atheist in my teens, under the influence, I think, of my elder brother. Mm. Uh, but by the time I got to nineteen, just before we left and went to Australia, um, I got this. Uh, I became a bit more reasonable, and I thought. You can't say that there is or there isn't a God. Nobody knows. So being an atheist was not a position I could sustain. And uh, at the same time, I didn't know what God was, whether he's there or not here. But uh, it was something that I I had to find out. I mean, basically, I wasn't I wasn't looking for anything religious, but I was trying to figure out what the truth of our existence was, you know, why we're here and all of that. So um, I'd go through these periods of intense speculation, uh, and the one thing that kept coming back to me was, "What well, is God?" And it would annoy me like anything, this little th- three-character word. <laughs> yeah. God, what, it, what yes. is God? So uh, after six months on the mining camp, I, took, I just decided to uh, go back to Sydney, find these people that I purchased the magazine from wow. and try and figure it out. And... Um, By Christmas, I think, of 71, then I had had enough. Uh, and I told my friends, I'm going to try to find out more about it. I'll, you know, write to you when I find a place. And so off I went. And um, I went down to uh, Perth. And then over to Melbourne, and then added, you know, added for Sydney, and uh, when I got to, uh, I got to Melbourne. I had a train ticket to Sydney. I had an eight-hour stopover, so I thought I'd have a look around, uh, and. Uh, when I came to the city square, then so again, gen- the one. <laughs> yeah. you heard the sound of that. I, I was yeah. I mean, uh, my intention was to go and find the devotees in Sydney, but then they'd, yeah, right, by yeah. that time they started up a centre in Melbourne. Uh, so immediately I went over. Uh, the devotee I talked to, his name was Upananda. Uh, he had three or four different editions of the Back to Godhead. So I immediately purchased one of each, I think three different uh, editions. And um, I asked him, I said, have you got something there that tells you what God is? And he got really excited. (laughs) I guess you don't often get that. Uh, So he immediately... To his credit, he opened up 
one of the Bactagon hats. And the you know the first article is always by Prabhupada. And um, so he showed me one paragraph. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. Uh, God is omnipotent. And he's a person. So I put my finger in mm-hmm. in the page in between the pages to make sure that I, you know I didn't lose the spot. And um, he was doing his best to persuade me to come visit in uh, uh, their Melbourne temple. But I told him, "No, I've got to go to Sydney." So I, somehow or another, I had it in my mind, "Got to go to Sydney." So um, I went. Uh, in 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 uh, Melbourne, there's um, the Yarra River. It kind of flows through the city. It's not a big river by any means. Uh, but I went, you know, to kill some time. I went to, onto the riverbank, and I took out the magazine to the spot that he showed me, and uh, I had figured out in my speculations that whenever I'd get this vision of the universe, I I got an understanding that if you're outside the universe looking in, then you can can get to a point of you know everything in essence uh, and that... uh, you, because you're aloof and uh, outside of it, your power would extend uh, through the universe. So omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, uh, and omnipresent, uh, being everywhere at once. So the, that, that, that had come up a couple of times. I understood that if you could be outside of the universe, then you could have, you know, these. Uh, my speculations, it kind of elevated me out of the material world. So anyway, when I got this magazine, uh, I sat and started reading it, and that you know, the statement was that God is omni- uh, omniscient. And as soon as I read that, it was like a light bulb went off in my mm-hmm. head that, uh, of course, if you're outside looking in, you know, you can know everything. Uh, omnipresent, you're everywhere at once. Uh, omnipresent, omnipotent. Omniscient. Yeah, I would say omnipotent, all-powerful. So as I read each attribute, God is all-powerful, God is omniscient. It was like boing, a light bulb going off in my head. And then uh, finally it said, Prabhupada said that... uh, God is a person. person. And then that was it. It was like about a 
you know, a thousand light bulbs going off <laughs> all at once. And I thought, of course, he has to be a person. If he knows everything and he's everywhere, and he's got to be a person. And uh, that was a complete re revelation. I never th thought about God being a person. And... Uh, Amazing. Uh, and then the last uh, part of the descriptive was that God is uh, is a person and his name is Krishna. Wow. And when I read that, that was it. I said, <laughs> of course, he's got to be a person. And, With a name. And he's got a name. I think that's, that's really far out. I, so that was it. I mean, as I, as I was uh, getting this realization, then along with that came the realization that if I accept that this is true, that means that there's nowhere where I can go where God won't know. There's nothing I can do that he doesn't, yeah. You cannot hide anything. Yeah, you, you, you can't hide, you can't. So that I thought, well, that's it. And then I'm going to have to join the, you know, the temple. I'd never been to a Hare Krishna temple. I'd never met the devotees. <laughs> so I had to buy the back to Godhead. But that description was the complete philosophy. And I thought, that's it. I've got to go and find these people. If I'm going to be true to myself, because I'd struggled for so, you know, nearly a year trying to figure everything out, what's going on. And uh, now I thought, if I don't act on this, then I'll lose it. Correct. So that that you know that was my uh, um, <laughs> and that that's what led me to be becoming a devotee. Nice, uh, but tell us how did you meet Srila Prabhupada and what's your impression? Right. Of him? Well, these. You know, this realizations that I had, it was, uh, I think, like January of 72. And uh, uh, when I got to Sydney, uh, I didn't know where the devotees were. Uh, so I was going out downtown and roaming around for an hour or two, hoping that I'd bump into them somewhere. So after about four days of doing that, I finally, I, I you know, bumped into the Sangatan party. Nice. And uh, from, uh, let's see, it was the, the, the first person that I spoke to on the party was Sahadev, who was in Mayapur at the moment. Uh, he told me, you know, we have a Sunday feast. You should come and, you know, talk. So um, that was it. I went to the temple. Uh, I had uh, breakfast there, Oliver and all those. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, there was a thing in this kind, I guess, at that time, um, that if somebody was going to bloop, mm -hmm. or they were, you know, they wanted to leave, you just... Give them a bowl of Oliver, and then they would. <laughs> <laughs> they were convinced to stay back. <laughs> so, uh, 
So uh, anyway, I I started going to the temple, and then I found out Prabhupada's coming for his second visit to Australia. Nice. Uh, and it was it was going to be there in six weeks' time. So uh, I joined the temple in. Uh, Mid-January, I shaved up actually, I think, on St. Valentine's Day <laughs> in mid-February. And um, when I joined, there was about 10 devotees. By the time Prabhupada came, six weeks later, there was about 45 devotees. Wow, because they came from all over Australia to see him. Um, no, these were people that just, just joined. you know, every time we went out in Sankatan practically. And wow. Sankatan meant chanting. There's no books. We had a few nice. back to go there. Nice. And um, so, you know, you'd, you'd come back from uh, the Sankatan party and there'd be some, you know, another somebody sitting on the doorstep waiting to, you know, <laughs> to join. Nice. So it was a very kind of, exciting, you know, powerful experience because everybody was new. The temple president was Mohan Ananda. He was 19 years old. He had been sent from uh, America to help shore up the Yatra. And... Um, so what happened when Prabhupada came to Six weeks, you're there, you're doing service. Yeah, shana, so you know, we were all excited about Prabhupada coming, but at the same time, he's kind of very apprehensive. And like with me, with all the money that I earned on the mining camp, which was the first, <laughs> but it was the first time in my life that I actually had some money. And uh, surrender. And yes, <laughs> and now I realized it was not mine, it was Krishna's. So I gave everything that I had to the to the temple, and um, Prabhupada came on April the first. So I've been in about six weeks. Everybody was brand new, uh, and um, he stayed for about a week. Uh, then he went to Melbourne for three or four days, and then back up to Sydney for another couple of days, and then on to New Zealand. So there was. The apprehension was that after giving everything, uh, you know, to the temple, simply on the basis of what was written in in the Back to Godhead and of the books, uh, there was apprehension. There was, uh, you know, whether he would live up to what we thought, you know, from reading his uh, writings. Uh, and at the same time, we were excited, you know. So what was your first impression when you saw him and everybody's excited and you came to the temple? And well, was, um, was it a wow moment or was it like, who is this? Or? Well, one devotee that was there was Upendra, and he had previously been Prabhupada's uh, personal servant. Yes. So he would tell us stories about Prabhupada and San Francisco and, you know, and uh, when I joined the temple, I gave all my money. Yes. And they had just purchased a double-decker bus. Wow. But they hadn't paid for it. 
they didn't have that. They didn't have any money. They had uh, three months in arrears rent for the house we were staying in, and uh, so the, that that double decker bus we converted it into a traveling temple, and um, the money that I gave to the temple was used to pay for the bus. So um, April the 1st, uh, Prabhupada arrived in Sydney. Um, There was some mix-up over the uh, uh, time that he was due to arrive. Uh, We were going to go out in the bus to uh, pick him up at the airport. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was getting the bus ready, uh, sweeping it out. And then the bus driver, who's a devotee called uh, Raghunath, uh, he was helping me. And then all of a sudden, he jumped out of the bus and ran into the temple. He's here, he's here, Prabhupada's here. So so I, I looked out the window and there was a black taxi and it had pulled up in the middle of the road, uh, and uh, the doors opened, and out steps Shamasunda and Nanda Kumar, uh, and uh, uh, Prajumna. And uh, then Prabhupada came out, and the first thing that hit me was that He's really small <laughs> physically. Yes. Yeah, he was just very, very small. Yep. And uh, not the kind of, you know, f- physique of somebody that's, you know, creating a, a world, worldwide revolution or something. Right. So um, I immediately I came out of the bus. I offered my full bandabouts. Bu- uh, on the roadside, and then um, by this time, uh, all the devotees were scrambling, you know, finish off whatever they were doing, get, get ready for Prabhupada. And uh, Mohan and Anna came running out, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, uh, and uh, he, he he hugged him. And I I knew you were, well, I was new, but I knew you're not supposed to hug your spiritual master. (laughs) But he was so emotional. And so he just grabbed Prabhupada in in his arms. Uh, And then he realized, yeah. (laughs) So uh, that was the first sight. And um, Upendra, he had been telling us that actually, Although we say Krishna consciousness is the highest stage of realization, uh, there's an even higher platform, uh, which is Prabhupada conscious. So he said, you'll see when Prabhupada comes and uh, it will transform you. So when Prabhupada came, that was it for about a week and a half. 
You give class every day in the temple? Yeah. Um, he was staying in a, a rented house, one of the early greenhouses had in Paddington. So Prabhupada was staying there in the daytime and then in the evening he was coming to the uh, temple. temple. And uh, we did a few programs. We did uh, some interviews on the TV. We did a program in uh, Sydney University. Uh, and, and then in Melbourne when they went down there, they had arranged to get the Melbourne Town Hall and they put up a poster all around Melbourne with the profile of Prabhupada. Uh, and uh, it's a Jagat Guru, spiritual master of the universe. And that was plastered all over Melbourne. So there was a lot of, you know, anticipation. And uh, when they had the program at the Melbourne Town Hall, about 2,000 people came. Wow. I mean, the place was overflowing. Amazing. I wasn't there. I was up in Sydney, but uh, I heard about Don't. it later on. So it was, you know, very, very success- successful. And uh, Prabhupada, he could, you know, see that we were, I mean, there were no senior devotees that really knew the philosophy. And so he just, uh, he had installed Radha Gopinath the year be, before. And uh, he just initiated everybody that was in the temple. Nice. Just trying to give a boost. And uh, there was you one. You initiated two at that time? Yeah. So April 9th and 72. So we all got initiated. Uh, within two days, one young man from Sydney, his name was Ray, and he was like 17 years old, he left. For him, like his peak was that you know, he'd seen Prabhupada, that was it, he was gone. So we were a bit bewildered. And uh, Mohan and I told Prabhupada, that this boy had been initiated and now he's gone. So Prabhupada just said, he did not accept me and I do not accept him. <laughs> but uh, most of the other devotees survived. So that that was the first time I saw Prabhupada. It was really, uh, uh, as Upendra said, it was like you were on a completely le- different level of consciousness, uh, just Prabhupada being there uh, every day. One or two of us got to go on morning walks, and so it was. Uh, it was an amazing experience, and um, we were all, you know, early twenties, or not even twenty. Uh, we had. Uh, run-ins with the local council, the police, uh, but on the basis of what Prabhupada uh, and the instructions he'd given us, we would go out and, you know, we didn't care about the cops or anything and 
we get fined or put in jail. Uh, but uh, Prabhupada, you know, really pushed. Uh, later on in the year, Chiru, who was the vice president, he wrote to Prabhupada that uh, the council are bringing a case against us. So uh, what to do? Uh, if we um, if we go to court, then um, yeah, if we if we uh, if we go to court, that's going to cost like a thousand dollars, lawyers' fees. Um, if we don't go to court and just carry on, then you know we don't have to pay any. <laughs> well, we didn't. We no lawyers' fees, but we would have. Uh, we had a whole bunch of fines and things like that that have been levied. So uh, he wrote to Prabhupada asking what it, what we should do. So Prabhupada told him uh, not to bother about the council. Just go and do your sankirtan as you like. Let them arrest us. Uh, the public it will gradually get public sympathy. That seeing uh, the devotees always being arrested, it would get public sympathy. Uh, as it was going on in London, actually at that time too. So that's what we did. We just uh, when the, all the cases came to court, we just ignore them, and then uh, they would issue a fine. And then after that, uh, after a certain period of not paying the fine, they come and arrest us, and quite a few devotees were put in jail. And yeah, it was uh, it was a very exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> you preach in the jail as well. No? Yeah, well, we were we were fasting. Some of the devotees were fasting. So that got a lot of attention too. Personally, I had an experience. Um, I'd, I'd run up a few fines. And if you didn't pay your f fines, they put you in jail one day, $40. So if you had 400. <laughs> yeah. So um, people like Korma, he got arrested. He was put in jail for 10 days. Eight or ten days. I got arrested um, because uh, they would raid the temple early in the morning. There was one council officer that was really trying to drive us off the street, uh, and they would raid the temple at six o'clock in the morning. So well, and uh, you know, this guy was uh, so. Uh, uh, fanatic that he knew the name he knew the spiritual and the kami names of every devotee and uh, uh, he knew how much we owed in fines so I this particular day I'd stayed uh, I'd stayed back at the temple when the cops would come The temple was a terraced house and it had a lane at the back, laneway, and, you know, the front door. So as the cops were coming in through the front door, 
the devotees that had fines, they would run out the back door, jump in the van and go off to the local park. And uh, so I I didn't know I had any fines. And um, the cops came in, the council guy comes up, Harry sorry to ask, and uh, I, uh, it turned out I owed, I think, $40 or something like that. So it was like one okay. day and two nights in jail. So uh, they took me away with the temple president to the local, uh, yes. yeah, they call them a watch house, like the local police station. And that, that, that was it. They put us in the, in the cell. Then Sunak, they, they came back, Sunak, the temple president, he owed about uh, eight or ten days' worth of fines. So they took him uh, to the... Uh, well, the, the watch houses, you could only stay for two days. If you had problems beyond, beyond the two days, then uh, they took you to uh, the main city jail. Pentridge, which was, you know, where all the criminals and people were. So um, we, uh, Sanak was taken away and put in uh, the uh, in the Pentridge prison, and they left me in this, you know, holding cell for what was going to be two days. So in the evening, a cop came in and gave me a, a meat pie. You know, because they, they had to feed you as well. So I said, I can't take that, we're vegetarian. And uh, he was annoyed, but there wasn't much he could do. So I spent the night there. Then in the early morning, he, the cop, the duty officer came and uh, he said, what's this I hear about you not eating? I said, no, we're vegetarian. So about half an hour later, he comes back. He's got a vegetable pie from the local deli. And uh, (laughs) he said, here, this is vegetarian. So I said, no, I can't eat that. (laughs) It's not often. Exactly. That was exactly what I... He said, what do you mean you, you can't eat it? I said, it's not offered. So he said, he was... Look puzzled, and he said, "Offered? What do you mean it's not offered?" <laughs> yeah, I I went to the shop, I bought the pie, I brought it back, and now I'm offering it to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "No, it's got to be offered on the altar to Krishna, otherwise we can't eat." So he he stumped out, and then the you know the I guess the desk sergeant or somebody. He came in and said, he said, what's this you're not eating? So I said, no, we can't eat anything that's not offered to the Lord. The Lord. <coughs> so he, he didn't want the hassle, so he just gave me my neck beads. Uh, and they said, all right, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so he kicked me out. Uh, but anyway, that was how it was for a couple of years. We had a lot of uh, clashes with the cops and things. And Prabhupada was always, you know, encouraging us, 
don't worry about what the police say. I do. Just go on and do your do your Sankatan business. But then you were traveling with Shula Prabhupada later on as his personal secretary for one and a half year. Yeah. Um, that was in which year? Well, 1975, I came to India for the first time. Okay. And um, we were opening a new... Uh, well, the Krishna Balaram Mandir was open. So I was there for that. And, uh, of course, uh, because that was on Ram, Ram Nami, we actually had about six weeks in India for the festival at that time, which was really good. And uh, we did a, a, a one-week pandal in uh, Hyderabad after, the, you know, the, the Mayapur leg of the festival. We went down to Hyderabad, then we came up to uh, Mathura by train, then the temple was opened on Ram Nomi Day. Uh, then Prabhupada went off traveling, and um, we went back to our temples. But I, for me, I, I just got this, you know, compulsion that I should stay and you know, join the Krishna Balaram Mandir. So after I got back to um, uh, Australia, I saved up some money and then got myself a one-way ticket back to India. So I get I got there about the end of July um, or early August. And um, a few weeks later, Prabhupada came. So it was his first trip uh, to Brindarban after the opening. And uh, we uh, we had we had his association for about three weeks through Red Astomy. And uh, then he went to South Africa and Mauritius, Kenya, that area, and he came back in early um, November. Uh, to Bombay. And then he came up to uh, let's see, November the 25th, I think it was. Uh, we, his, he and his party came back uh, from this uh, African tour. And uh, Prabhupada was in a very unusual situation in that he didn't have his personal servant with him. He always traveled with a secretary uh, and his personal servant. That was the minimum. Uh, and then uh, he was a joint, joined a lot with uh, Prajumana Prabhu, who was doing his Sanskrit editing. So um, they arrived and uh, I had done about two and a half months, three months as the temple commander. When I first joined, uh, they immediately grabbed me and, you know, we had manpower shortages at that time in India. Uh, and um, when Prabhupada came to Delhi, uh, he only had Harry Cash with him. He was 
cooking and transcribing. And uh, as to do to flew in from Europe for the month of December as a visiting GBC. Uh, and uh, it just happened that I was in Delhi for one day on some private business. And then because Prabhupada was arriving the same day, I thought, you know, it's just great, get a good chance. Uh, and that was one thing about being in India. Um, Prabhupada was personally involved in the three big projects. So you got to see him quite often. The three big projects means uh, Vrindavan, Mayapur, and Bombay? Yeah. And uh, it was just, you know, you got a lot of association compared to what you did in the West. Yeah. Western temples, Prabhupada would come for one week and then move on. Um, but he was in and out of India all the time. Anyway, so he didn't have... Uh, Um, secretary well he he didn't have his, his personal servant with him there'd been problems in Africa and Prabhupada had uh, told Brahmananda uh, who was the GBC and he was Prabhupada's secretary uh, that he had to go back to Africa and sort the problems out there um, there were a couple of other devotees that had been Prabhupada's a servant previously, Upendra was one. He was in Brindaban, but the next day he was flying out to Fiji to do some preaching there. And uh, who else? Nitai Das. Uh, he had been Prabhupada's Sanskrit editor and... Um, he's, he was also doing the personal servants uh, duties. So he was he had to go down to Bombay and get his visas sorted out. So when Prabhupada came up, it was you know just Harry Cash basically. So Harry Cash at the time requested you to become the secretary of Prabhupada or the Not servant. quite. Um, <laughs> but anyway he had Prabhupada had a, a discussion with Harry Cash, who's, you know, who's going to fill in uh, whilst Nittai is away in Bombay. So Prabhupada had seen me sitting at the door during the darshans. So he told Harry Cash, well, what about this Australian boy? So um, Harry Cash had had a bit of an experience in dealing with me. I got uh, <clears throat> in the... In the uh, in the Jamastomy period, I had gotten into an altercation with this Bengali devotee, which ended up me giving him a yeah, okay. a, a bit of a knock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Prabhupada heard about it. I got called in. And uh, I was thinking, oh, no, this is a disaster. This is the first time I've been ever sent for by Prabhupada himself. (laughs) And it's for, you know, getting in the fight. Anyway, that that got sorted out. But Harry Cash had seen me in action 
So he just thought that I was this wild man, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he was not keen when Prabhupada suggested, you know, this Australian boy. But Prabhupada uh, told him, he said, no, he's here, so let him give him a chance. So that was it. The next day I was, Upendra was leaving for Fiji and uh, Nittai had already gone south to Bombay. Uh, I, uh, um, so, but nobody trained you. You were there on the spot. And right. Then you had a service I mean, and Prabhupada had <laughs> to train himself. We saw your video, you were giving massage to Srila Prabhupada and stuff like that. Well, um, Upendra, you know, he, he had that one day. So he took uh, literally two and a half minutes to show me how to do the Prabhupada's massage. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I was on. So the next day when he left for Fiji, it was about 11 in the morning, so Prabhupada looked at me and said, so, let's go. So <laughs> I, went up on the, well, I went up on the roof and Upendra uh, told me, you know, you use sandwood oil for Prabhupada's head, mustard oil for its body. Uh, it took me through the order, you know, oh, massage. Uh, and... Uh, there was one other massage in the evening, about 9.30, 10 o'clock, but that was not with oil. That was a dry massage. While uh, he sleeps. Yeah. Um, just keep his uh, circulation going. And it, so um, so that first day, anyway, I uh, when, I, when I started doing the massage, so, something... Unexpected happened, which you know, I had not been warned about by Upendra or whatever. Uh, and that was uh, that as soon as I started massaging his head, all the joints in my fingers started to seize up because I was not used to doing that kind of motion. And it was getting worse and worse. And I got to a point, I was... Thing. I was just praying to Krishna, just please let me do this service. You know, it's a once, once in a lifetime. So somehow or another, let, let me do the service. As soon as I started praying like that, all the joints loosened off and became supple and normal. And I never had that problem again afterwards. But tell us, what is the most uh, astonishing thing you saw when traveling with Srila Prabhupada? Because being with a person who is a spiritual leader of the world, many people, and then you see him in different situations. So what was the most astonishing or wonderful or experience you had while traveling with Srila Prabhupada? Something that nobody has seen or nobody knows or which was for you like, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there must have been so many situations, but you can tell one of them. Well, I mean, when you were traveling with Prabhupada, it was like a traveling festival. You know, for the devotees where, you know, in the temples where Prabhupada was visiting, that was the peak of, you yes. know, yes. Uh, 
But for the party, you know, we were doing it every day. Yes. So, so you are in constant festive mood. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but for example, do you ever see Prabhupada lose his patience or chastising somebody really heavily or oh, out yeah, of love yeah. or something <laughs> like that? Because uh, you see Prabhupada always is very sober person, has yet time, many times sweet. Many times speaks very gently, very nice, very strongly also, but we never saw Prabhupada angry, for example. Um, he rarely got angry, but when he did, you felt it. I got chastised really heavily on a couple of occasions. Mm. And uh, I was very much aware of the fact that several servants before I came on the party had had problems after a few months, because uh, familiarity breeds content. So servants rarely lasted more than three or four months. And uh, so I, I was always careful. You know. Super careful. <laughs> yeah. To avoid, you know, that uh, getting into that um, wrong mentality. Yeah, uh, just um, inattentiveness. inattentiveness. And uh, I mean, I had a couple of really, yeah, <laughs> really bad mistakes I made. One of them was uh, I, I, I locked Prabhupada up on the. Roof of its rooms in Brindavan. In Brindavan, mm. and um, it was after breakfast. Prabhupada had gone upstairs to take rest. Sometimes he, he liked to uh, lay out in the sun, uh, and um, I, I just wasn't thinking. And uh, I escorted Prabhupada up onto the roof. There's one room there. So you go through one side and then another door uh, to get onto the back part of the uh, building, the building, uh, Prabhupada's rooms. And um, somehow or another, I, I, I wasn't thinking. I uh, escorted Prabhupada onto the back space, put a mattress down, he laid down and rest. And... Uh, This was like uh, September, maybe, October, 76. Uh, so they, whilst we were out, out in the summer in America on the last world tour, the devotees had been fixing up Prabhupada's room a bit uh, in Brindaban. Prabhupada had requested them to put a toilet upstairs And um, <laughs> but when Prabhupada just you afterward, it was not angry anymore. He just just started straightening you up, and then he, again it was sweet. Right. It was was not like carrying a grudge against you or anything. Oh like no, that. Um, no, I got um, anyway. I'd gone downstairs because the devotees had fitted a bell, so if you were downstairs, you could press the. And you can hear. And it, yeah. I would hear it if it was in the kitchen. Or, so um, 
that particular day, I, I'd escorted Prabhupada up onto the roof. And I was thinking, you know, if he needs me, he'll ring the bell. But the bell was inside the room, so you had to go through the doors, two doors. Uh, and when I exited, I thought there was a couple of devotees from Australia that had just arrived, so I was going to chat with them uh, and, you know, just really just pajalpa. But <laughs> So we're talking away um, just at Prabhupada's entrance to his rooms and then uh, there was a German devotee called Maharati. He was a big guy, like typical image of the blonde yes. uh, Aryan German. <laughs> uh, and apparently he had been uh, a butcher before he became a devotee. So he was staying in the guest house and he looked out the window and Prabhupada was on the back, and Prabhupada looked up and so he called him. called him and said, where is Harry Sorry? He's locked the door. I can't get out. He's keeping me prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> so he came flying down the stairs. As soon as I saw him, I immediately understood something, you know, what had happened. And so I ran up on the roof and went into the room. And normally when you went into Prabhupada's presence, you bowed down. And when you leave, you bow down. And uh, I didn't bother even doing that. I just wanted to get the door open. Uh, so there was, a, there was a screen door there and Prabhupada was on the other side. And uh, I slid the bolt Oh, to open it, Prabhupada just looked at me with dis disgust. He said, you rascal. He said, I've been here for an hour. And that was all he said, and then he went downstairs. Then when we got downstairs, I tried to apologize. And Prabhupada said, too much vor voracious eating and sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I did my best to ap apologize, but... Uh, it was it was time for the massage, and all through the massage, it was like this cloud of depression. I could feel it, you know, almost physically, like weighing me down, and uh, as, you know the reactions to the offense. So um, I made up my mind what to do, how to deal with that. After lunch, he again went back up on the roof. He was sitting in his uh, rocking chair. Uh, and when I came up, I stretched myself, you know, full dandabats. Full, full uh, and I, I said, as sincerely as I could, I said, Prabhupada, I'll never do that again. I'm really sorry. And uh, as soon as I said that, he smiled. And when he smiled, that was wow. gone. That wow. weight was wow. gone. So sinful reactions are very tangible things. Uh, and that was my practical experience of it. Um, there was uh, a comparable incident in April of 76. Pushed to Krishna Maharaj had been 
added to Prabhupada's party as the full-time secretary. And so he and I were traveling with Prabhupada on that last world tour. And um, the devotees had purchased a Mercedes, not exactly a limousine, but, a, you know, top of the notch. Uh, so um, that Mercedes was going to be kept in Delhi and looked after by a devotee called Chechi Guru. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go on tour. And uh, as we left, left Brindaban, we drove back to Delhi. And then we were going to, two days later, we were scheduled to go down to Mumbai. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got to a place called Palwell, I think it is. Um, and uh, in those days, the road from Brindaban to uh, to Delhi was kind of very it's small, small yeah. uh, and um, only when we got into Palwell there was a divided Man. lanes, and um, Pushta Krishna was driving, and Chaiji Guru was uh, in the front passenger seat, and I was in the back with Shila Prabhupada. And uh, Pushta Krishna was explaining to uh, Chaiti Guru, you know, what this knob is for and this is it, you know. So he was giving him a, a rundown on the on the way the car works and whatever. So um, he wasn't watching where he was going. We, we must have been doing about 70 miles an hour. The road was fairly clear. But uh, uh, up ahead of us, I was looking through the windscreen and um, there was a camel cart and uh, there was, uh, see, um, the camel cart with the hay. You know, there was a, a bullet cart with st- that was hay. stacked up with hay, and uh, the camel cart was—I think it was a, the camel cart was overtaking the the bullet cart. You can imagine the speed, uh, and uh, we're coming up from behind them at nearly seventy miles an hour. And then I thought, I'd better say something because Pushta Krishna is not paying attention. Uh, and then I thought, no, if I say something, he'll get annoyed with me. Uh, Pushta was a little bit like that. I mean, bless his soul. But uh, he, uh, I thought, if I say something, he'll, he'll get a bit annoyed with me. Then I thought, no, I've, I've got to say something now. We were going so fast. So um, just as I was going to say something, Pushta Krishna looks up. He sees these two animal uh, drawn uh, tr- uh, trolleys or whatever you call them. 
And uh, we were already on top of him by the time it, it, by the time he realized what was happening, it was too late. And he stamped his foot on the on the brake, and the wheels locked. So to stop the you know the, the Mercedes from getting out of control, he had to release the uh, uh, the brake. And uh, we kind of cannoned through the gap between the dividing uh, divider on the road uh, and the yeah, and the bullet carts, and uh, we went through the the gap in the middle, and uh, the uh, the car hit. Uh, on the side, uh, we got we hit the um, camel cart, and uh, the uh, there was a, I mean, a big bang where we hit them. Uh, the you know these big wooden axles from the camel cart, buffalo cart, uh, and that. Smacked into the side of the uh, of the car, but the Mercedes was such a big, heavy vehicle that it went you know, through. The uh-huh. impetus just carried us through. I looked out the back after we'd gone past them, and I saw there was a couple of guys sitting on top of the hayload. That all came tumbling down. I don't know what happened to them, but we weren't going to stop. Uh, that would have been a riot. Uh, so Prabhupada was in the back. He got so angry, he didn't say anything. He just gritted his teeth. He said, you're going so fast. And then that was it. He didn't say anything more. Uh, he just sat in stony silence for the rest of the trip. Pushed the Christians, obviously, Freaking out. Um, when we got to uh, to Delhi, uh, Prabhupada couldn't get out his side. The door was jammed. the door was almost popped. Fortunately, the, uh, nothing, no glass was broken. Um, Prabhupada had to get out the other side, and he walked around. There's a big hole in the door panel. Oh, pushed the Christian, offered his obeisances and said he was sorry. And Prabhupada said, all right, just get it fixed. So they did that. Um, so when I, uh, I, I, I observed Pushed the Krishna uh, and somehow or another I just didn't feel that he had you know, his, apolo- his apology was sufficient. Uh, and, in fact, the week later, when we were in Melbourne, Pusher was, uh, I was telling Balaram, the temple president, what had happened uh, with with the car. And uh, Pusher was walking past us, and he got annoyed because I said, I more or less said it was his fault. Yes. And he didn't like like to accept that, so I felt that you know his 
apology was not sufficient. And, you know, I mean, this was my observ- observation, that his uh, apology was not sufficient to clear away the reaction, you know, the apparat. Uh, and, of course, a couple of months later, he resigned as proper secretary, uh, gave up his sannyas and got married and went back to college. Uh, and it turned out that he was not chanting any rounds. Or he, he was only chanting two rounds a day. So that's, you know, part of being the personal servant. You've got to be very, very careful not to commit, you know, offences by whatever means. And if you do, then you're going to get a reaction for it. So Tell us a little bit about this latest book you wrote, because you wrote six books, but the latest one is what is the title and where people can get your book. Right. Whether it's available on Amazon or people can call you or order from your email or something like that. Yeah. What is the book about, of course? You wrote already six books. This is the last one. I don't know if you're working on some other book as well. Well, I, during the period I was traveling with Prabhupada, I was keeping a regular daily diary. And um, yeah, that's nice. I, I wanted to ask this because how you remember all the details and all the places. And so you must have kept diary every day. Yeah. Otherwise, it's impossible to yeah. remember all this. If you write things down, then yeah, you, you remember. Can remember yeah, so, so the latest book is about, what is the title of the book? Well, the, the uh, main diary uh, goes from November 75 to... Mid March seventy seven, and then there was a couple of weeks in May June of seventy seven, and then I came back onto Prabhupada's party for the month of October as the visiting GBC, and uh, Prabhupada had a system; he had a regular um, permanent secretary, and then. Any any GBC secretary could book in for one month and travel with Prabhupada. So I I thought, you know, this is a good opportunity. Uh, I'll book in. So I booked the uh, month of October, seventy seven, and uh, I arrived in Bombay on the twenty ninth of September. I stayed for a month um, till about October the 28th. Then I went back to Australia. So that last month I kept another diary uh, separate from the one that I was keeping when I was a servant. So it's a slightly different perspective. And uh, it's... You know, very concentrated. Um, What's the title of the book? So, yeah, um, the um, I I kept that diary. I was going to uh, publish it after I'd completed the Transcendental Diary series. That didn't work out, but I. Um, 
No, you were saying that this book, you can't right. read that. So, so, so I've, I've uh, published uh, five volumes of the Transcendental Diary. Yes. This, the last month in Brindaban, um it's kind of, because it's a separate work, really. Um, but it's called Back to Brindaban. Back to Brindaban, okay. So where people can get this book if they want? Well, here in Mayapur. Here in Mayapur? Or if you are in the oh. world and listening, how can people send you an email and get it? Or can we get it from Amazon? Um, I'm not sure about Amazon. Okay. Whether we went ahead with that, but uh, the... Uh, Krishna dot, com usually carries your books. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure whether they're doing that anymore, but you can try that. Um, I have a, a website, Lotus okay. Imprints. Lotus in Imprints. Print. Okay. Uh, so people can contact you into that website and yeah, get the book. There's a, you can purchase electronic copies. Oh, that's nice. Um, we might be able to get it out um, in hard copy. Later on, but right. for now, it's available on soft copy. Yeah. Okay, you've been in Mayapur also for a long time now. And uh, what's your vision of Mayapur? How it's developing? You've been part of so many different groups, uh, master plan, this one, that one. How, how do you see Mayapur is progressing as a city? Well, we, my wife and I, Saitala, uh, and daughter, Rasarani. Uh, we moved to Mayapur in 1996, mm -hmm. so we've been here a while. Um, I, I've done a, a number of services yes. here. I spent a few few years doing the CPR work, child right. protection stuff. Um, in 2009, we, well, myself and... Uh, a devotee from Sweden, Pranava, uh, we started this project uh, back to Vedanta Research Center. Yeah. And uh, we got what was originally the main library of the Gaudiamat in Bagbazar. Uh, after the breakup of the different factions, the uh, main part of that library was taken by uh, Sundarananda Vidyavinod, mm -hmm. who was one of uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati's main editors. Uh, when they broke up, he took the library back to his own house and just kept it there. So around about 2008, uh, we got the opportunity to get that library. So I spent from, we opened it officially on 2009, uh, and I kind of maintained and developed that up until 2018. Then due to health issues, I had to retire from the management of it. Right. But that, that, uh, that project's going on. It's in Calcutta, yes. It is, uh, it near, is. Uh, 
Yeah. The name of the road in the Ramakrishna Hospital. I know I came there many times. Yes. I remember. So that's, pro- that's going on, right? They're doing the... Uh, the devotees the, from yes. uh, um, Chaupati, right. Balaram, Leela Prabhu, uh, and uh, a gentleman called Samantha Rudra. They oversee the activities of the... And they're saving all the book into the into the soft copy, into the computer, they're doing the scanning and everything. Yeah. So some of these books are very, very rare. I remember seeing some of them handwritten by Bhattis Danta and Bhattim Notakur and something yeah. like in Bengali. And, yes. Right? There's a lot of nice. invaluable literature in there. And uh, because we got such a good library, we were able to get affiliation with Pune University and Mumbai University. Nice. We're still working on Calcutta. They've still got a bit of a communist hangover. That's always But, that. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we've, we've started a um, PhD course. We've got four students at the moment working uh, uh, to get their PhDs. Uh, Studying and be- all this... Ancient books. Yeah, different aspects of God yes, Vaishnavism. Of course. Uh, and um, uh, we want to naturally we want to expand that. We want to get to a point where we've got um, scholars who are devotees teaching. Uh, Gaudi Vaishnavism in the universities in the West. Uh, that's that's um, <clears throat> it, it. It has to be done because let's take, for instance, this um, first edition of the Bhagavad Gita, mm-hmm. and there's a foreword in there from. Uh, um, Professor Dimmock. So Demick was regarded as being the foremost scholar in the West on six Goswamis and their works. But the guy's a drunkard. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, none of these people actually believe what they're, you know, the six Goswamis, they're studying their works, but they don't believe it. They're just academic yeah. study. Yeah. Oh. And they speculate about yeah. you know, what it is or what it isn't. So we want to get to a point where all the um, scholars con- who study, um, you know, Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur or Baladev Vijabhusan, Six Goswamis, we want that. Expanded, uh, and um, let's say like a hundred and fifty, a little longer uh, years ago, um, the British abolished Sanskrit as the main media language media, uh, and introduced English education. So we want to reintroduce 
you know, different aspects of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava philosophy and practice. So you, you have to have the literature to do that. So it's a very important topic. Uh, so that's another thing that I've been working on. Um, nice. What else? No, that's that's pretty well the the main nice. things. Right now, I'm a member of the uh, uh, executive team that's developing the uh, exhibits for the Temple of the Planetary uh, Vedic Planetarium. Nice. Um, so yeah, trying to keep busy where I can. Always, always. So if you would like to send a message to all the people listening to our podcast and we'd like you to invite the people to come to Mayapur, maybe if you want to say a few words in conclusion of this wonderful podcast. Well, yeah, there's been some uh, major developments in the last few years. Um, just like this road that goes... From the God to, to the our is gone all the way to the main. Uh, well, I always used to wonder that you know we build this temple, all these illegal shops. I mean, yes, yes. literally hundreds of them are outside our front gate, blocking everything in. Yes. How are we going to deal with that? But uh, the government this last year, once I given official approval that this area is to be developed as a tourist attraction. Tourist attraction. And, of course, Iskon Mayapur is the attraction. So the uh, as part of the deal, they gave us 700 acres of land. They didn't give it to us, but they lifted the uh, restrictions. Yes. Um, so... Um, What was I going to say? Uh, um, <laughs> uh, my brain's not working. Uh, okay. I, want to, so I was asking you the, the, the roadway there yeah. is an example. Right. Um, the government last year decided to finally widen the road. So they've just obliterated all the, all the shops, shops that were illegal. They're all illegal anyway. Yes. And they're actually building a uh, proper in infrastructure. We've got a proper sewage plant that's being built. Prabhupada uh, Ghat, the bathing Ghat also. It's Prabhupada Ghat. The government's giving a lot of money for uh, shoring that river right. side up. So there's a lot of stuff happening. Um We've uh, been through two years of lockdown. Yes. Which knocked us back a little bit, but uh, we're over that now. Um, we've got a master plan where all the patches of land that are available, they're all allocated. So uh, 26 acres has been allocated for the Maipo University. Uh, so we're looking for a sponsor or somebody who can come and say, okay, I'm here, put my name, here's the money, let's build the university where people can come and study. Yeah. 
Well, there are, uh, there's a number of uh, leading in industrialists that are showing some interest in, in our project and developing Mayapur as a nice. township. So we're very hopeful about, you know, the progress that we're doing there. And uh, they're supposed to be moving Lord Nishringadev and Prahlad Maharaj into the new building, I think probably by the end of next year. Uh, and then after that, uh, maybe a year or two later, then the main deities will be moved. So we'd like to welcome everybody to Mayapur and uh, meet our devotees here. And a lot is going on. And we'd like to thank Hari Sauri Prabhu for coming today here and uh, give us a, a little glimpse of what was to be with Srila Prabhupada and uh, to be in his presence. We'd like to thank you so much for coming. And uh, I hope we'll meet you again and then we can continue to tell my story. Please be free to get the book from Hari Sauri Prabhu by writing to his email or his website or into krishna.com and uh, you're welcome to Mayap. Thank you so much, Arisari Prabhu, for coming and spending some time with us. Uh, Radio Mayapur is the link to your heart. Please listen 24 hour. Our radio is going on and you can listen to the interview and you can get inspired. Thank you once again. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. You're listening to Radio Mayapur with the best devotional, meditation, kirtan music, and inspirational podcast. This is Radio Mayapur.